Today on the Wounded Angel Network, I am beginning a series entitled The Gates of Grief. And I am very grateful to Francis Weller, a psychologist, psychotherapist, and he calls himself a soul activator. Um, he works in the United States and, and does a lot around grief rituals. I'm very grateful to Francis Weller for the um, the headings that I'm going to be using of the five gates of grief and I'll unpack them as we go however I need to stress that all the content um, is not Francis Willis um, it's informed by him but it is largely my own that I have gleaned but I like the headings of the five, five gates of grief so the first one I want to start with and it is the easiest way in um, because it is the area that we probably experience loss most really and experientially and that is called um, or, or titled everything you love you will lose now that's an old idea it is found way back um, in the buddhist sutras uh, or suttas um, it's the Buddhist scriptures and in this particular Upajatana Sutta um, there is what is called the five subjects for frequent recollection and part of those subjects for recollection are to remember that everything we love we will lose and um, in Buddhist monasteries um, and communities the, the Sutta is chanted uh, almost daily um, in many of the rituals and it goes like this I am of the nature to age I have not gone beyond aging I am of the nature to sicken I have not gone beyond sickness I am of the nature to die I have not gone beyond dying all that I have beloved and pleasing will become otherwise will change will be taken from me everything we love we will lose now at one level that sounds incredibly morbid but it is a very healthy psychological place um, to be and a very healthy um, thing to contemplate it's a it's an instant cure for example for materialism because you know that experience of of buying something, of really wanting something, particularly something fancy like a motor vehicle or in fact the camera that I'm speaking to now and you plan and you plot and you purchase it and then over a few years it dies, it becomes obsolete, it breaks. So what if we could begin our purchasing experience let's take a, a motor vehicle if you should in, whilst going to the showroom to look at the fancy car at the same time picture in your mind that car compacted and crushed 10 or 15 years from now into a into a bundle of scrap metal that is going to throw, be thrown back into a recycling furnace that that would change um, that excitement um, and, and covetousness and, and graspiness that, that so often characterizes our consumerism. Remembering that even this body, all that I love, I will lose, will be taken from me. 
I was having a conversation with somebody um, recently and they were telling me about their future self and how they were working on their future self and it's a lovely image to, to visualize um, the person we are wanting to become. This person was still in the first half of life, you know, under 40. Um, and they kept talking about the future life, their future self, and I said to them, you do know that your future self is a corpse. It was quite a shock. Um, but it's true. Just like that fancy motor vehicle will one day be a compacted cube of scrap metal, so to this body, my future self, my ultimate future self is a corpse. I will die. Everything I love, I will lose. It's what the medievals um, called memento mori, remember your death. It's not morbid, it's realistic, and it adds a very useful perspective to our life. In the Greek peninsula, um, there is a very famous spiritual mountain called Mount Athos. Um, it is a very historic site um, for spiritual practice and many very powerful monasteries have been built there both in the Greek Orthodox and the Russian Orthodox tradition. And um, these monasteries have over the years amassed vast um, financial wealth and uh, very strong political influence in Greek um, politics. Um, and so statesmen and leaders will come to Mount Athos and consult the abbots and the abbots will wield quite a bit of power not only over the community of monks but also in a political influence in, in the country of Greece. And so to be an abbot of one of these um, Mount, these Athenite, Mount Athos monasteries is to be a powerful person. It's a bit like being a, the leader of a, of a country. And, and yet they have this wonderful tradition that um, the abbot on a regular basis goes to pay respect to the elders. What happens when, when a previous abbot of the monastery dies, they are put um, in a mausoleum for a while, I think it's five years, and then after five years the mausoleum is opened uh, and the skull is removed, the rest of the body is buried and the skull uh, of, the, of the previous abbot is, is um, taken out and uh, his, the dates of his life and his name are marked on the skull and it's kept um, in, the, in the area where the abbot's office is. And so on a regular basis, the abbot, who is so powerful in this powerful position, wielding all sorts of influence, financial and political, will be reminded to go and have a look at all those who have gone before him and to see where they ended up. Very humbling to re realize as this powerful person um, that their future self is a skull. Um, remember, everything you love, you will lose. Everything is impermanent. Nothing lasts forever. Um, now, in the ancient rituals of 
our proto-cultures, the cultures from where we come, um, the, this memento mori, the mem remembering of the reality of death was far more real than it is in our modern culture. We have become quite a death-denying culture and we, we don't want to face um, those aspects um, that everything we love we will lose. And, and by denying that we set ourselves up for tremendous pain when it happens, when we are confronted with the impermanence, not only of our own lives, but of the lives of those that we love, or, or the things that we love. Um, these rituals are still around. Um, I mean, if one gets involved in Freemasonry, one of the initiations into the first three degrees uh, of Masonry, the very basic entry level of Freemasonry, um, one of the rituals is one is put in a coffin um, and then lifted up uh, by the Grand Master of the Lodge um, from the coffin, symbolizing this, this dying and being reborn. Remember that you are going to die, memento mori, but if you do not die, you cannot come alive. And so, I want to just point out in the light of this, that everything we love we will lose, um, I want to point out three things about this awareness of loss. Firstly, that loss is the ground of love. Secondly, that loss is the ground of gratitude. And thirdly, that loss is the reality of being human. And I've already said something about that. But loss is the ground of love is shown again and again when one meets people who have been told that their lives are terminal, who have been given a date and a reason for their lives being terminal, and I'm speaking mostly about people who've been told that they have cancer. Speak to a person who knows that their lives are terminal, who knows that they are dying, and who have been given some idea of a date of the shortness of their future self-life, and, and you meet somebody who is amazingly in love with life. Suddenly, every day becomes important. Suddenly, every moment is rich with color and, and vibrancy because they're not sure how many more of those days they will have. In a similar way, remembering our own death makes us love the relationships we have all the more meaningfully, not clingingly as much as just noticing that this relationship with this person, with this pet, with this particular situation of my life that is so wonderful right now is going to end and so my appreciation rather than diminishing into depression actually becomes more alive like the cancer patient. Love, uh, loss is the ground of love. I love more meaningfully when I recognize the impermanence of the object or the person of my love. Secondly, loss is the ground of gratitude. Um, and it's linked to back to that cancer patient's awareness, the memento mori, remembering my own future self as a corpse. I become incredibly grateful for the way things are now. Even if they're not pleasant, because even the unpleasant situations out of which I learn so much are also recognized to be impermanent. This will also change. Everything will change. That that I love, 
I will lose and that which I'm really not enjoying right now is also going to change and so so there comes a perspective of gratitude I'm grateful for that which is pleasant now and pleasing I'm also grateful that what is displeasing and unpleasant my suffering can also come to an end in art, very often to, to highlight a particular study, one has to first sketch in what is called the negative space. The space um, that hasn't got definition. And when we sketch in the negative space, that which isn't going to be there, then you can begin to focus on what is there. In a similar way, in the way our minds work, if we can acknowledge the negative space, acknowledge the reality that non-being that me being a non-being in the future helps me then to focus on the being in this moment. It's like glimpsing the void and then appreciating that the void has not completely taken hold of us yet. Of course, one walks a very fine line here with depression. And, and we've already spoken in other talks about ecological grief and the pain and the suffering of seeing our whole planet groaning and dying. And, and one can very often become very cynical. Um, the existentialist writer Albert Camus, writing after uh, Between the Two World Wars, um, had a very dark, sinister, cynical view in which he said, the only question that a human being has to ask themselves, the only meaningful question, is whether or not to commit suicide. <laughs> um, wow, um, that's pretty dark. But, but what he was hinting at is that without meaning, without looking at the reality of the impermanence um, and grasping onto the meaninglessness of this life where everything ends can make one quite suicidal. What's the point? Let's just give it all up. And very often those suicidal thoughts about ah, we're all going to hell in our handbasket, let me just take myself out. And I'm sure some of you watching have had those moments of suicidal thinking. Um, those are often very useful because it brings us to a confrontation with this first gate of grief where we can grieve the fact that everything we love we are going to lose but then to be grateful that we still are here. Similarly when somebody says I want to commit suicide I say to them yes you need to but you may not harm your own body. That's the rule. So what does that mean? Well, in Shakespeare's tragedy, King Lear, there's a, a very interesting character called the Earl of Gloucester. And if ever there was somebody who lost everything, it was the Earl of Gloucester. He, he was blinded. He was tricked out of his money. In a classic Shakespearean tragedy way, he loses literally everything. And, and Gloucester is desperate. And he says to his manservant, which he doesn't realize is actually his own son because he's blind, he can't see him. He says, I want to commit suicide. Take me to the cliffs of Dover. And uh, the manservant slash son takes the Earl of Gloucester to a rocky outcrop in the vicinity of the cliffs of Dover. But because 
the old man is blind, he clambers up this rocky outcrop thinking he's coming to the edge of the cliffs. He hears the sea roaring, he feels the wind, he thinks he's on the edge of the cliff and he jumps and lands in the middle of a field <laughs> because he hasn't been on the edge of the cliff, he's been on the rocky outcrop. And when he stands up from that fall into the field, he delivers a soliloquy which spells out very clearly that he has come to realize that he has had a distorted opinion of life, that even in his blindness, even in the loss, his life that he has now is still worth something in his hands. And there is this gratitude that says, wow, I'm glad that my suicide did not kill my body because now I appreciate that even this life, limited as it is, is worth enjoying and appreciating and not grumbling about. Loss is the ground of love for every moment. Loss is the ground of gratitude for every moment. And then loss is the reality of humanity. To live and to love is to lose. That does not or should not keep us from engaging in living and engaging in loving. It should make us all the more committed to seeking out love while it can be found, to seek out meaningful life while it can be found. This is not negative to think of the reality of this first gate of grief that everything I love I will lose is not negative. It's extremely positive. It's realizing that I have a sell by date, this life. And so I should squeeze every bit of juice out of every moment that I have been given. It also puts me in, in a deep awareness like that abbot on Mount Athos who can go into the room of the elders and see all the skulls with all the names and be grateful for those who have gone before him. So too, recognizing the impermanence of our lives helps us to look back on those who have gone before us and who have blessed us with the genetics and this body and the ability to live now in our moment on the stage of life, knowing that one day our curtain will come down and others will take our place. There's this connection back into this wonderful lineage of being. It's the reality of our humanity. Often in very stressful times in my own life, I, I have done what might seem to you a very strange thing. I have I found myself a graveyard and gone into the graveyard and spent time just walking amongst the graves, reading the inscriptions, looking at the dates of the lives of the people buried there. And very often those lifespans have been a lot shorter than mine. Um, people struck down in the middle of their life, children who have died and whose gravestones are there. And just in that contemplation, not morbid at all, deeply grateful that I am not where they are, but acknowledging that one day I will be. And that brings riches and richness to my life now. So here's the first gateway of grief. 
and we will be unpacking the other four as we move ahead. Um, everything I love, everything you love, you will lose and I will lose. That loss points to impermanence. It reminds us that living with loss is the ground of love. It is the ground of gratitude and it unites us with the whole of humanity and every living being on the planet because everybody comes into being and everybody goes out of being. Um, things begin like this video and they end like this video does now. Thank you for your attention.